0: But then she had an accident, and the intro left with her nose. Oh, boom, boom.
1: Dang, why are you got to throw it out there? You're so mean. Well, I'm glad you're going to talk about it today because yesterday would have been the day <laughs> that I posted about it. So you asked. I welcome. mean, donkey. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, I said it on the podcast. Please don't cancel me, cold chart. Please don't. All right, I really did have an insurance. I forgot it, but I guess we're just gonna start off with it, what we it, talked it, about it was, earlier. It was
0: probably in that section of your nose that's still trying to re. Oh
1: God, dude, yes, I fractured in my nose. It's a minor fracture, <laughs> and I don't feel happy about it. All right, so hopefully by today I should be, or on Tuesday, because I'm gonna we're gonna post this on Tuesday. Hopefully by then I already have. Some sort of medical procedure done, right? I hope. Or maybe just uh, a note from the doctor saying that, hey, you're good. Don't worry about anything, all right? Yeah, hopefully. He's putting the world's smallest violin. That is so mean. Can you
0: guys hear it, or is the violin too small?
1: (laughs) Wow, you're in the role today, guy. You're in the role. Hi, whatever. I am. <laughs> we did say that we were going to talk about expectation versus reality.
0: You said we were going to talk about a lot of things today. Yeah, a
1: lot of things today. Out of all the things, I was a chicken winner. All right. <laughs> all numbers is the winner when the chicken did. <laughs> God, hey, just, Wait, Just where do with the nose? What do you going to do? All right. Anyway, um, yeah, you asked me a question earlier. You asked. What was my assumption when I first met you as a coach, right? Yes. And so my assumption was that, first off, I knew you were a douchebag and that assumption was correct. But one of them was that-
0: I'm nodding my head yes, in case you guys are wondering uh what the silence is. I'm not disagreeing.
1: Yeah, 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 we know that. Um, (laughs) I mean, you soften up sometimes, you know? And now you're back to being a douchebag, so okay, well, whatever. Um, the other one was that you don't Just don't get hurt like you are always okay at the gym like you're just You're always training like you don't slow down. You're like you're always training, you know mm. So i um, my assumption was that okay Well, I mean it's not like he ever complains you never complained but it was like you just went like you just trained and like you never took days off and you were just good all the time you know mm-hmm. and so as people that when we first start it's it's a struggle first off to be disciplined I mean for some of us that have worked that in the past okay but then also continuing that motivation you don't like the motivation word but a lot of it is like shit I gotta go to the gym it feels like a duty for us it feels like a chore and for me, I always thought, oh, well, he's asking just get up and go to the gym like nothing. You know, he's he's always good. And then some of us get hurt because our bodies are not 100 percent healthy or mm-hmm. accidents happen. And so we're thinking, you know, this it's really tough for newbies. And then I'm thinking, no, oh, this guy will never go through any shit. He's just always training. He's good. He gets it. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's not the case, or is that the case?
0: That's not the case you know, by I mean, any stretch you know, of the. Like imagination I said, that
1: was my assumption because yeah. I would see you go to the gym. Like you, you were always focused. Like you're always focused. You have a, a this personality to you that nothing faces you. Like, I mean, you're very neutral. You know, you you listen, you teach. You're you just talk about martial arts, blah blah blah. But you're like, okay, well, that's great. Like he's always in the zone. I guess. We struggle with a lot of that, Mm -hmm. so I don't know. Like, it was just one of those. Like, he sounds good, I guess. You know.
0: Well, first of all, it's it's not like that at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I got aches, I got pains. I'm just basing Um, this
1: in the beginning when I first met you. I'm not basing it now because I already know your background. Mm -hmm. But
0: but this is something that some people that that are just starting the gym or some people that are listening to the podcast for the first time, and like, oh, you know, who are these guys that are talking talking for hours every week and thinking or researching on Instagram and all the social media pages yeah. and on my social media I keep I, I try to keep most of my private life private um, and that's why I only post about stuff at the gym but that doesn't mean that that's all I do yeah you know I'll be the first to admit that's a big chunk of what I do yeah um, but now that you've gotten to, to see me and know me outside of the gym I think now you're starting to see that what I post on social media isn't always what it is, you know? um, Social media, if you look at all my posts, if they're not at the gym, they're at fights, they're at a grappling tournament, they're at a professional wrestling wrestling event, Mm -hmm. you know? But my life is beyond that, and and I try as hard as I can, and sometimes it's hard. Once I'm out of the gym, I don't want to think about the gym anymore. (laughs) You know, I, I've set times when I'm at home that I do, you know, the administrative stuff. But that's time separate that I put to the side. Mm-hmm. When I'm home, I'm home. You know, but for me, it, it's and there's days because I have a lifestyle that's very heavily on the gym and, and working out and training. I do get tired. We've talked about on the podcast before when I experienced the burnouts and stuff. Yeah. You know, Um I don't necessarily run from the burnouts Mm
2: -hmm.
0: my problem is typically i run a little bit faster to the burnouts because i'm trying to overcompensate Mm. because all of this started for me when i want to say when i was wrestling in high school but i think even before that you know because i wasn't much of an academic student i didn't like going to school Mm -hmm. you know so i never felt like going to school but i had to do it you know so i had to wake up every morning to go to school and i had to come home and do my homework take the tests quizzes all that good stuff projects you know so building that because i never liked school was a start you know and then getting into high school and the high school is the one telling me you got to do an extracurricular activity you know and i i knew very little about amateur wrestling i thought amateur wrestling couldn't be all that different from professional wrestling (laughs) You know, I, I know what the difference was, but I didn't understand how difficult amateur wrestling was. You know, and for for a kid that played video games his entire life and never played sports, wrestling's a pretty tough <laughs> transition from couch potato to athlete, mm-hmm. you know? So there was a lot of days that I was sore, that I was in pain, that I was not injured, but hurt, Yeah. you know, and just tired you know the mental drain of going out there learning a new sport and not two weeks into training three weeks into training and they they put you out there for your first match and it's not just one match i had three matches the first day that i ever wrestled
1: and you know what even even i remember the first few days of me going and i know how hard it was gonna be like there were times that I would even leave and cry because it was so tough. Mm-hmm. But you never showed that emotion. You yeah. I've seen you train even in the beginning when I used to see you train, you're like the hell, this guy never has emotion. Like he's mm-hmm. he always loves it. Like he mm-hmm. always into it. He gets it so well. Like he seemed like you were just natural for it. You yeah. know.
0: And again, you know, I, I, I take it back to, to wrestling. It was something that was far from natural for me. I I don't, it it was something that I don't think I was good at until now. And my first day of wrestling practice was 16 years ago, you know, but when when I'm not necessarily doing something that I wanted to do under my own accord, it's difficult for me to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Wrestling wasn't that. Wrestling kind of became that. I started getting more and more interested the more that I wrestled. And in particular, after I won my first wrestling match, I was like, holy shit, this feels really good. Mm. You know, so I was like, I need to learn how to get this feeling again. Mm. Because I, I know, I, I can see the match that I won. There's very few matches in my head that I remember. The one that I won is one that sticks to my mind a lot. The, the freshman, my last match as a freshman I remember as well. You know, I don't know how many matches. I never kept track of how many matches mm-hmm. I had. I definitely had more matches my freshman year than my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. But there's only two that re- three that really stick out in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't natural by any sense of the word. I just had good coaches that never gave up on me that freshman year. Yeah. And I think if I didn't have those coaches, I probably wouldn't have come back my sophomore year because i didn't have those coaches my sophomore year and i didn't come back my junior year
1: you know what there was one thing that i wanted to ask you a long time is like some of us like this brings me back to the one of the first few memories um with witnessing you coach in in the grappling tournaments because <clears throat> some of the guys that have grappled the, their well at least they're for the first time right their first match sometimes doesn't go like they would like because they're nervous Mm -hmm. or they freak out and they don't perform and they lose the match Mm -hmm. and so you see their confidence so low after that that it's so hard for them to get back up right and then the next match come match comes up and they don't have the same energy they don't they don't feel confident anymore you can see it you can tell from the beginning till the second one because it changes their personality and now they're scared Mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> at the time where you were wrestling and you knew that some matches you felt like you sucked like what was it about your coaches or what at that at that moment helped you not feel like that anymore or uh, did that ever change
0: actually uh, that that never changed um
1: but like how did you how were you able to even get that confidence even after because there were I mean, like the matches that you did win yeah you know you still won some yeah but you lost a lot of them
0: yeah um, even the ones that I won It was like It felt good I, I don't, I didn't over-celebrate I just I got my hand raised the first time I was the last person on the freshman team To pick up a win mm-hmm. Everybody else on the team had pick, uh, picked up a win already mm-hmm. And everyone was just waiting on me So, you know, the team was excited yep. I think some of the, the more experienced wrestlers Were even shocked <laughs> You know, but It was just coach crest's voice will forever be in my head for that match and what he said after me and stuff you know because he was happy that i won Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know because when i i finished high-fiving the team and then i went to him and he's like great job and this is how he said it exactly like that great job (laughs) but when i say hips to the ground i mean these and he's like pointing at my hips to the ground and now he's pointing to the ground You know, because I I could have pinned the guy in the first period. I didn't get it. We went to the second period. I got him down again. And then same thing with the half Nelson trying to get. And Coach Kras is like, hips down, hips down. And I'm like, what am I doing? Are my hips not low enough for you, Coach? And, And now I understand why he was the way that he was. Why he said the things during the match, after the match. And now I understand what he means by hips to the ground. And knowing what I did back then, I was like, that's not hips to the ground,
2: Uh. you know,
0: but it was, it was his almost, and and I didn't take it in in a negative way, you know, where he was like doing a backflip because I won, Mm -hmm. because this is something that he worked for. Getting to know him as a person, not just as a coach, all these years later, all he wants is for people to be their best and whether he saw what he sees in me now 16 years ago which i highly doubt would be an interesting conversation to have with him Mm -hmm. but his sole purpose was to take all these freshmen and turn them into wrestlers Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and i think with me getting that win that first win he accomplished that because all his freshmen and a lot of us never wrestled a day before in our lives have gone from never wrestling to winning a match within a month and a half.
2: Mm.
0: You know? And he had a lot of obstacles with me because I wasn't in shape. I was 105 pounds of just skin and bone. I had no strength, no conditioning, and no technique whatsoever. (laughs) And he was able to get someone like that to win a match and to even win a few of them because he even checked in on me my sophomore year. You know? But all of that is what kinda of kept me going. And again in wrestling there were some days we was like oh. I remember one day the coach called for a Sunday practice because we did horrible at a tournament. You know, <laughs> so that, that was that was a seven day week. Seven days of wrestling practice. You know, and then obviously those seven days lead into the next week where we train Monday through Saturday. So that was thirteen days straight of wrestling practice. Three hour long practices. You know, so that's where all of it started. Athletically, of, of being somewhere, training while you're hurt, while you don't feel like it, while you're in pain, while you're sore, because we didn't have a choice. You know, so that not having a choice mindset and mentality kind of carried with me when I started MMA. Mm.
1: Wow. I'm shook. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's very nice to hear that you... Well now with your experience and your wisdom, you're able to connect those things from when you first started because that moment you don't feel enough, you don't mm-hmm. feel like you're skilled and you obviously don't have the confidence and then you don't see the reward until years later. Some people see it right mm. off the bat, some people don't and when when you're starting something for the first time, it always seems like in, unattainable, right? Yeah because it's so different and it's so difficult at first but then you were able to train your body and mind to to the point that you were after sophomore year you were more active i'm sure mm-hmm. and then when did you start weightlifting
0: i started weightlifting because, uh-huh. the the off season between uh between the freshman season and sophomore season because i even remember one of the coaches making a comment that i look bigger
1: oh okay um how did that do to you in your mind, in your psyche, like your confidence, that boost anything? Or when, anything?
0: Yeah, because he, he didn't just say that he that I look bigger, and obviously I knew it was a sarcastic comment. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! He said, uh, "He said, Lauer, you you have been taking steroids." <laughs> <laughs> That's and so and, cute. and I, I don't talk about this coach enough because Coach Crest gets like most of the That's most funny. of the praise because he's the one that I still get to work with. But uh, the coach funny. that said that was Coach Stevens, and okay. Coach Stevens. If I would have known that he was going to take over the varsity team, that would have pushed me a little bit more to stick Mm -hmm. around uh, beyond my my sophomore year Mm -hmm. um, because he was the junior varsity coach. So I kind of split between him and Coach Piketty, who was the varsity coach my Mm -hmm. sophomore year because depending on the roster, sometimes they'd have me wrestle junior varsity. Sometimes they would have me wrestle varsity Mm -hmm. because I was so small.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So not a lot of schools didn't have people at those weight classes mm. so i kind of worked back and forth with him and, and he was he was a shorter guy you know like me yeah and um brown skin like me you know so we got along really well hmm. and when i started the sophomore season started they they used to weigh us after at least once a week most practices but at, at the very least once a week where the coaches were were monitoring your weight Mm-hmm. You know, so when the season starts, everybody checks in at weight. I was wrestling at one hundred and three pounds, my my freshman year. Wow, you were so and tiny! By sophomore year, I was walking around at one hundred and eleven pounds. So during the off season, I had gained. Um, because I never made it down to one hundred three because after, after uh, January first, they give you a two pound weight allowance. So I right. just had to be one hundred five, and then depending on the tournament or the meet. They'd give you a one extra pound, so sometimes I got away with being 106, you know. But by the time the sophomore season started, I was 100 and 112 pounds. I was walking around at, you know. So that was six pounds that I gained during the off season. Which, when I tell you guys that it took me four years to gain 10 pounds, <laughs> gaining Aww. six pounds in uh, in about eight months was a uh, was a feat.
1: Well, you started. You said 103, right? In the beginning. That, that was the weight 12? class. Yeah. Yeah, you still gained yeah. like a nice, nice nine pounds yeah. later. You know. So. It's a lot.
0: He had made the comment. He's like, "You taking steroids now?" <laughs> yeah, and that kind of felt good because I was like, "Oh, he, you know, he, he sees. Notices. He, he notices yeah, that no, I'm physically different. different, and I don't look as skinny as I did before."
1: And so by then, you were already starting to build that, the, like, that consistent. Yeah. Training regimen. Uh uh-huh.
0: hmm yeah. The problem was because he said that when my shirt was off and I still had my sweatpants on, I was like, oh, I only have to work out upper body. So there was a <laughs> few years there that I was only doing bench. I was just doing shoulders, back and chest oh, were the no. only things that I worked out and I wasn't working on my legs, you know, and I always wondered why in wrestling, my legs got so tired during stairs and stuff. Oh,
2: uh, yeah, yeah, um, but, yeah.
0: But yeah, that that's when, when the weightlifting really started getting consistent from there, you know, because by the end of my sophomore season i knew that i was done wrestling i didn't want to wrestle anymore mm-hmm. but that didn't mean i was going to get out of shape that just meant i had to do this on my own now
1: mm. you
0: know because if i wasn't going to be wrestling i had to do something else
1: I think once you were because you did that every almost every day your body's just naturally trained to be active. yeah yeah and you know just just basing it off of like what we've seen with Dan Severn. I mean the reason why he's so healthy now at 69 64 oh 64 I'm sorry my bad at, you 60... hear that, Dan? <laughs> at 64 is because he's been so active all of his life and so when you you start something and if you stop completely for so long then your body just adjusts to the laziness right yep. to not being active and then because you were so active your body needed that now i'm glad that you were able to continue that you not know, that discipline because not, not only were you growing like physically, you were also growing mentally.
0: Because that, that continued through in MMA because the, the first place I went to, we were only meeting once a week, mm. which I thought was weird, mm. you know, because it was like wrestling practice was six days a week. So that's what I was expecting out of something like MMA. I was like, MMA, I got to learn more than just wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so because we only met once a week with the trainer, the other days of the week, I was, I was lifting, I was on the elliptical, I had my own uh, punching bag at home that I'd, I'd prop somewhere and just start punching it and I would do three rounds of this and then, you know, and things like that, you know, and actually I'd start remembering my, my wrestling drills that I went over in high school and stuff, mm. start putting all of those things together, you know, so by the time I got to victory and now that I was meeting, they suggested just going two times a week because of the intensity of training. I was like, I have really trained like, six right. days a week like, like I, I can about, do it you know yeah. but I listened to them and started off two days a week and then you know Anthony told me you start coming in three times a week and stuff before I started coming in regularly. I did quickly see the difference between wrestling training and MMA training you know because the, the blows especially the way that we spar you know you gotta let your brain heal up a little yeah. bit you know and
1: Did you at least have like days in between when you trained? Or it when, like I MMA, yeah, when i started yeah
0: when i started when i i want to say good the first year was one day on one day off hmm. but it wasn't until i started teaching nope. that it started becoming more of a daily thing Yeah, you know and that's when i started experiencing the the aches and the pains a little bit more you know because uh, at this time i'm still i was still 22 years old at the time you know okay. so, still uh, young in it um but, uh-huh. But then, you know, my knee had already, I, I knew my knee was already hurting because of wrestling. I had knee problems. My right knee started giving me problems, even just wrestling in high school. And that kind of continued through even after I stopped wrestling. Um, and then starting MMA was just that. And I actually trained with a, with a, a pretty heavy uh, knee brace for a while because of how much pain my knee was in. You know, but again, it was a mentality that we were here every day. Mm -hmm. you know and mma didn't have an off season you know in wrestling we went hard november to january Mm
2: -hmm.
0: but mma was year round you Mm -hmm. know so that that was also something that i wasn't used to and didn't know how to manage it until i i hit that wall
1: Mm -hmm. you know when you hit that wall what was it like for you it was weird
0: because it was still like i gotta push through
1: Mm
0: -hmm. you know because this is what it is my expectation was that, you know, um, I had heard from like the professional wrestling side of things is that your body's never going to be 100% again once you start wrestling. Mm. And once I got into MMA and started listening to interviews and starting to learn who the fighters were, they kind of had a similar mindset that you're never 100% when you step into the cage for a fight because of the level of training that we have, mm. you know, so because of all the aches and pains, I was like, oh, then this is normal then yeah you know i can keep pushing through that
1: i remember um well with my first injury the achilles was the biggest injury in my life but i used to complain because yeah i was in pain but for you it was so foreign i mean you don't complain about the aches and the pains you're so used to that pain but i remember you telling me one time you're like i'm just used to the pain because i asked you how the heck do you live with this pain considering i can't even handle it you know And just like, I don't like taking medication, and I won't. But either way, either I have to slow it down completely or just not train because my body can't do it. But you, you're like, no, I'm used to it. I'm like, what the hell? And
0: and (laughs) that that also came from, you know, the professional wrestling side of things because, you know, the biggest era that I watched was was the 90s and the early 2000s where drug and alcohol abuse in the locker room was, was relatively big. You know, so hearing these stories of the wrestlers that are in aches and pains, Mm. you know, constantly from being on the road. And they're using drugs to kind of help calm the pain. Mm. And some of them developed addictions and all that stuff. But they said as soon as they walked through the curtain to perform, all the pain went away, all the addiction went away, and the addiction became performing for the crowd. Mm. You know, so that kind of mindset I kind of... I was so fascinated by it, but I understood it because when when I threw out my back, what, that has to be maybe four years ago now, I hurt my back lifting, like, really bad. It was pain like I never felt before to the point where it was limiting my movement. But I didn't want to take time off. I was teaching classes every day. I was like, I cannot stop teaching. <laughs> yeah. You know? So... I would, te- and I had people offered, like, I'll take the classes. Like, Carla and Ralph were there and they saw how much pain I was in. They're like, we'll teach. I was like, no, 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 I'm fine. And I would put on my strong, strong face and mm. go out there and I teach, I demonstrate everything. And those that were on- the, the most attentive students noticed every time I winced in pain from a certain movement. But then, as soon as I heard the door close for the last student that walked out, I would just collapse in pain. And because, you know, like Carla would see me teach the whole class, she thought I was just playing around, but I was in, in dire pain. And that's when I started going to chiropractors because I never believed in chiropractors, but I was so desperate because of how much pain I was in mm. that I started seeing a chiropractor. But none of the students, I never wanted any of the students to know how, how much pain I was in. So as soon as we bowed it in for class and now I'm, I'm coach, now I'm instructor, now I'm sensei, pain's got to go away. Mm. You know, and that's kind of the mindset that I had. You wow. know, and to an extent it's it's what I have now, I'm just a little bit more open telling people like, "Hey, <laughs> I'm hurt, don't break me."
1: Do you see, you see and at that point is this more, was this more of like an ego thing because there, there was some you know, ego Mark to it. Does, yeah. He says what he says, you know. Yeah. Every other coach is like, "Hey, you know, take it easy on this thing cuz of my yeah. leg or my arm or whatever."
0: Yeah. That that there was some some ego in it, but also just I don't want to blame everything on ego. I don't want to blame everything on discipline because some of the stuff that we say on the podcast might sound like I'm complaining about it, but I'm, you know, I, I really do love what I do. Mm-hmm. I love what I do. I love teaching. I love being in front of people. I love helping people. I love training. I love all those things. It's just sometimes, yeah, my body's not feeling it.
1: And that's you know? the thing. Like you don't see that though. Like well, at least for me at the beginning, like I, I didn't see any of that
2: mm-hmm.
1: because all I saw was you teach. It was like, oh shit, he's good yeah but then like seeing the afterwards you know like that even when everyone's gone and we see you stretch or barely ever barely able to walk or move and that's concerning Cause, already because yeah. when
0: I blew out my back it got to the point where if I was laying down I couldn't get up <sighs> it would take me 20 minutes to get out of bed because I had to roll out of bed get my feet to the floor first and then push myself up you know oh, and then I would I'd be like all right Something's not right. My dad'd be like, just lay on the floor, lay flat on the floor, and just try to let your body just kind of come back into place. And I'd lay on the floor for like 20 minutes, and he's like, You're still down there? You're still laying down on the floor? I was like, I can't get up. Oh, no. You know, so it him and my mom, or him and my sister, you used to have to stand me back up straight because I couldn't bend my back. Oh, my God. But when I was teaching, it was none of that. I was falling down correctly, I was taking people down all while in pain. But refusing to show it.
1: I mean it helps to know that you are you you still go through our aches and pains, you yeah. know. Um a lot of our aches and pains are a lot of it is mental. Yeah. Because I mean, the way that you started is obviously you started hardcore like you and Eddie, like you were doing lifting, you were lifting. I mean, prior to MMA um, you did a lot of wrestling. Mm-hmm. you've always been super active like lifting and mma lifting and mma so you you went through through a lot in the first few years of your life and then sparring hard as Mm. as heck and the way that you did it's not healthy at all but Mm -hmm. i mean you lasted you know you did it like okay you because you knew you had to do it yeah and a lot of us right now i mean a lot of people are being very consistent but i mean it's not like before because now you you have a different coaching style where you make people drill as opposed to go on full-on sparring mm-hmm. because again you know what it's like and you know why you do the things that you do because you learned because you lift it yeah so now you teach people how to maintain like a more controlled sparring more healthier environment by slowing things down mm. but <laughs> back then for you it wasn't a thing Yeah. No. because you either had to do it or you did it yeah and and you know what I think about too, like that there was like the few very few times where you, you told us about like how you s- used to spar with the big guys and you know, used to get beat up and even in class you you shared with us like how much you used your wrestling and then it used to work against you, mm. you know because you used to put your face there and then people used to punch you in the face. Yeah. Like those type of things. Like for me, it's like damn, he would get like kicked in the face, and we're like- out here complaining about little things, you know
0: you know when when your accident happened last week and, and your nose was gushing and then you know we talked to doctors and stuff like do you have a fracture in your nose and we started researching we started listening to doctors and stuff about the symptoms about things to expect mm-hmm. and then i look back to all those times that i got hit in the face and i was bleeding profusely and then i started bleeding randomly or you know things like this and all the symptoms that you're experiencing now is like i went through all of the and, never, <laughs> and, went to and hospital. never did anything to, to even remotely see it. And now our, our chiropractor, we were, I made a comment one time and he talked about my nose having a deviated septum. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, well at least, at least now I know I have, I can say that I have a doctor's diagnosis. He's like, you didn't know that. I was like, I've never been diagnosed cause I've never gone to got it, get it checked he's like no it's it's very obvious that your nose is is deviated yeah i was like well now i know you and know that's
1: why like that's why you and i were like going back and forth because you're like what are you talking like in other words you see me as a sissy right because i'm complaining no I'm
0: not, it's just I'm, I'm making sure that it's real and not a cosmetic thing okay well, this it, what it did is.
1: the doctor what did the chiropractor say
0: is it you fix it because you're a girl and- <laughs> you see. <laughs> <laughs> he had his nose broken by his karate instructor. But
1: who put it back into place?
0: <laughs> what? He's, oh, yeah.
1: Nah, someone put it back into place.
0: Yeah, because it's deviated. Yours is just fractured. No one has to put anything <laughs> back in place, not it? It still looks. It looks perfect. Yeah, whatever. Mine, mine didn't always look like this. Mine what... changed shape and changed directions of where it's pointing to.
1: But you see, this is where you know what I do want to like dig into like the. Okay, I do want to think about, like, the tax of masculinity, right? Because as, as guys, like, you guys have that, like, you know, you're expected to be tough. Yeah. You're expected. Like, yeah. and I feel like even at, in the sport, like, you know, if someone punches you in, your pit in the face, you got to punch them back. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You can't be a wuss and be like, man, you're going too hard, bro. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, but do guys do that? No. Because, again, it's like,
0: I tell people to to this day to do it to tell your partner I I know for it's, a fact. But you that know them well, like that's super hard to do. Yeah, you know, and and that 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 was part of the reason why my brain's as messed up as it is. Mm. Because I never wanted to tell my partners that they were going too hard.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, because I always felt like I was proving myself to be one of the smaller guys. And weaker. When I became an instructor, yeah. I was like, now I'm trying to prove myself. When I became a coach, I'm trying to prove myself so I could never tell somebody, hey, you're going too hard. Mm. My response for them going harder was just now I'm going to go even harder. You know, but having the, the, the headache, when the headaches started, that's when I was like, all right, this is bad.
1: And you know what? I'm also one of those people that when I hear you say things sometimes, because you don't have a like complaining tone of voice. Yeah. You know, you just say like, oh, I have a headache. But then in my mind, I'm like... He'll get over it (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know Because you're so tough Like you, Carla and I Have always talked Like You have such a tough exterior That it's hard to tell Like whether or not You're really in pain or not Yeah Like for us It's like Boy stop playing
0: And that's why And this is just Perfect timing That the World Cup Just finished this weekend But Me and some of my Training partners Would always You know Kind of have fun With the soccer players On the team That would say In soccer You're trying to convince people That you're hurt to try to get a a yellow card, a red card, Mm -hmm. whatever. And in MMA, we're trying to convince people that we're not hurt, you know? So Mm -hmm. we kind of had fun with that kind of stuff because it's true, you know? It's just, you never want to show anybody what hurts because that's what they're going to attack.
2: Yeah.
0: You know? And and it's the same thing in life. You show someone your weakness and now they're going to start digging at that, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know? So it's just like, I'm never going to tell you if I'm hurt and if I do tell you I'm hurt you are never gonna know how badly I'm hurt
1: and you should think like this is where like the professional wrestling and MMA kind of do ma- like they are very similar like in professional wrestling yeah you're, you're trying to make the, the audience see that okay the moves are, are, are like true and you're mm-hmm. getting punched super hard but in like MMA you're not showing any of that emotion even though you are getting punched really hard yeah you know you're you're doing <laughs> the opposite
0: because you see fighters in, in MMA that when they get hit good, they'll smile or they'll yeah. nod and stuff. I, I always tell my fighters, don't do that. Because mm-hmm. all you're telling your opponent is that that punch landed and, or that kick landed, whatever it is, and it hurt.
2: Mm-hmm. I was like,
0: do not let them know that it hurt. You know, Because for me, it's the mindset and the mentality of all of this, the, the mind games, the psychology of it. You know, I want my opponent to break so bad mentally that they think that they're not doing anything to me, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter how much it hurt, show them that it didn't. Yeah. You know, and that just gives you an upper, upper hand before you even start attacking back. Mm. But that's, yeah, that was the thing with me is like, I, I. use this example all the time because people when, when we talk about defense it's like well aren't you still getting hit like that it was like yes I'm not teaching you guys to be invincible I'm trying to teach you guys to be unbreakable you know Whoa, so like, it was like, I'm trying to prevent significant hits from being landed but I'm also trying to make sure that you guys are okay getting hit and keep moving forward because the world we live in and I was just talking with my parents about it the other day the world's going crazy right you know you see so many things you see robberies you see drive-bys all the time now like all of these things are becoming normal like we see a story It's like yeah okay we see a story of someone getting killed oh my god it's like all right whatever you see a story of all these cars that are getting broken into you know banks being robbed things like that it was like oh all right it's like why is this so normal to us because it's growing and growing and growing you know but are you gonna let that change you are you gonna let that alter the way that you see things the way that you do things because if that was if i was like that the gym would not be running the way that it is mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the the world of mma has changed so much over the years and dan Severn was just talking about it too in an interview and i definitely that's the conversation i want to have with him the next time i see him because mm-hmm. he was talking about how he was in he was in it for the sport when he was fighting he never wanted to hurt anybody he didn't want to mangle anybody except the exception of one person that he really wanted to hurt to teach a lesson to um and that was tank abbott but and even just that, that that's actually a good example of the mindset that i'm talking about tank abbott was the guy that would bully people he was bigger than everybody he'd knock you out and after he knocked you out he'd still try to punch you and dan <laughs> thought that was so unnecessary because the dude's out it was like there's no need to hit him after he's knocked out already you know and dan wanted the respect of the sport he grew up as an amateur wrestler where there's a lot of respect in there you know so he kind of wanted to bring that back in the sport he's just he would do what he needed to do to win and if he could avoid hurting somebody awesome you know and that's my mindset with it too because i've had people comment you know especially when i first started you know and friends of friends was like oh you do mma but what would happen if i pulled out a gun i was like i would be the first one out of there I was like, I'm, not, gonna fight a I'm not going to fight a gun. He's like, well, there was two people. I was like, I trained to fight one person with a very particular set of rules with a time limit and everything. That's why I do this. sport. I don't do this to try to be John Wick or anything It's like, I'm just doing this for sport. This is a sport that I enjoy. You know, are there aspects of it that can help save your life outside of the sport? Absolutely. But the bulk of what I do is because of sport. You know and they try to get you with that ah but i have a gun i was like i don't care i'll get my gun i don't care <laughs> yeah. you know i'm not gonna try to fight a gun
1: wow i've been commented um by even just my, my co-workers because they know that i do it so they've said oh like if something happens to all of us we're gonna put you in it mm-hmm. it's like why'd you think i'm gonna defend everybody
0: yeah like,
1: what am i gonna it's do like-
0: it's called self-defense. I defend the self. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> not everybody around me. Yeah,
1: I'm not a
2: bodyguard. You? <laughs> you know,
0: but yeah. th- that's the way people see things. And it's just not the way that I believe it. You know, I had a discussion with a student that we clearly didn't see eye to eye, you know, and we could have thought, we could have done a lot more, but I just told him the way that I see things, the experiences that I had to try to guide him in a direction where I think his mindset is going to lead him in very bad places in the sport in the gym and possibly in life i'm i'm in no position to tell anyone how to live their life yeah you know but just from the experiences that i've seen with people with similar mindsets i was like be careful and that's all i told them. i was like be careful with the way that you think you know but in here this is what it is this is the way that this team will be run no one's going to change that Mm. you know how we took it i don't know but uh that that's that's what it is yeah it's there's a lot of respect i've always said my main mission is to put the art back in mixed martial arts Mm -hmm. you know because it's the the conor mcgregor's because even the student that i was having this discussion with when i brought up connor he's like you don't think he's successful i was like i think he's a cancer to the sport I I think he's really hurt the image of the sport because now everyone thinks they can fight. Everybody thinks that you're going to be rich off of it. And that's not true. He was a, Conor was a great fighter until he started focusing on money and putting on a show. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: He was a great martial artist, you know, but to compare him to someone like George St. Pierre that had probably greater success in the cage than Conor McGregor did and treated the sport with more respect and carried himself with more respect than conor mcgregor those are the guys that people should be looking up to and guys like that are disappearing more and more it's the the landscape of how the sport is is why george st pierre retired when he did Mm. he he didn't like where the sport was going so he left and that was a very smart thing to do but that opened the floodgates for everybody Mm. else to come in and, and change the sport to what it is you know and have the the logan pauls and the jake pauls and all, all the you know these super fights that they're trying to build without trying to see who's the best and and that was the other discussion the part of the discussion i had with my student was like if you're not trying to get better because he was indicating to me that we have very different views on what success is i was like i'm not talking about life success i'm talking about getting better in here
1: like why why do you need to show off right yeah like when mike tyson used to win every one of his fights he didn't celebrate
0: yep and that's because his coach told him he's like why are you celebrating mm. this is what you trained to do this is what you should have expected the outcome to be
1: it's like no surprise that you're gonna win because exactly. you knew that you were a champion from the beginning
0: exactly you know so that kind of mindset the mike tyson custom auto mindset like that that's what i believe in that's that's no one can argue the success of mike tyson in the ring and and where he is now even if you want to measure his success financially has he gotten himself in trouble yes a lot of it has he done bad things yes is he working on cleaning stuff up yes Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know so what's everyone in that that's a fan of combat sports i think looks up to mike tyson you know so why not use him as an example of of the way that his coach brought him and and how emotional he was when his coach passed away and how much his career kind of took a downturn after his coach died Mm -hmm. and the new management that came over and how much that messed up his career and his life for a few years
1: because like i guess some of us don't really see the value of having a coach or some sort of guidance right Mm -hmm. because some would say like a coach is having like a different dad yeah because it is you have someone that um you typically i mean that like you would trust that you trust and that you trust them enough to guide you
0: i i saw this on instagram and i sent it to coach Cress and coach stevens because they're the only ones i had on on instagram mm-hmm. it said uh it's like a picture of uh like a dictionary okay definition it says wrestling coach noun, a multitasking dedicated ninja who unlocks hidden potential to maximize human performance through sweat, tears, and hard work. See also chief or leader. You know, so I sent that to my coaches because it's like, that's what they did. You know, I didn't know I had the ability to do what I'm doing now without their guidance. You know, and, and Coach Kress, you know, for for the two years that he I spent in the wrestling room with him and then 12 years of not seeing him, And then back the past four years of of working with him again, Mm -hmm. he's helped me so much get started and stay on track to this day. You know, because not everything we talk about now is about wrestling or boxing or kickboxing or catch wrestling. Sometimes, you know, just ask me about business. Dan Severn asked me about business, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know, and we talk about the state of the business. We talk about how, you know, I interact with the students and this and that, you know, and, 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 just being there as a coach for them because I've always said being a coach is different than being a trainer A trainer is just gonna lead you physically mm-hmm. in the sport in the You know athletic endeavor that you're doing But a coach goes beyond that, you know, and that's what I've strived to be the, life the past few years
2: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and that's why that's where for I guess for me that's where I feel like That's how you can bring the art back into mixed martial arts by being like our life coach, you know, mm. and that's why it's important to share that over the podcast. Because who knows who's listening to this? It could yeah. be someone from overseas. It could be one of your students. It could be someone that I don't know. They're trying to find s- their art. Maybe they're trying to find themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, when you share this type of wisdom, your stories, maybe it'll it'll bring something or it'll bring some sort of guidance that they need. Yeah. You know, a lot of us struggle with a lot of things and we're very hard, we're hard on ourselves. We're hard and it's very hard to say. And sometimes we can pinpoint exactly what we're struggling with. But since you've lifted and you're able to speak about it, it kind of gives gives us a guide. Yeah. On how to handle a certain situation, especially when we don't know where to go.
0: And that's just through the experiences that I've had as an athlete, as a mixed martial artist, as a wrestler, and just as a human being, you know, and, and listening and, and really paying attention to the things that my coaches say and the things that my parents have said, you know, sometimes I might not have listened or taken their advice right away. And there's (laughs) certain things I had to learn by doing it myself, you know, but there's also a lot of things that I've learned by just listening, you know, and, and trusting, you know, and that's why I have the coaches that I have and still have because I trust them, you know, and... I also have had coaches that I don't trust. I've also had trainers that I didn't trust. So I took what they told me with a grain of salt.
1: If you if you could remember the worst trainer or coach that you've had, what is something that you could that you can say I learned from this person?
0: Never lied to my students. Oh. Add add one. I...
1: <sighs> I mean, you don't say the whole thing. But you can just give us a little bit.
0: No, you know what fuck it (laughs) no it's just the the first mma trainer that i had you know i told him i wanted to fight (laughs) you know and thankfully it didn't happen because i would have gotten my ass kicked (laughs) because the man what i didn't know until i got to victory is that he was gaslighting me the whole time i was training with him but he he had me believe he's like is when, when he met my dad, we went to go watch some fights. because When I told him I wanted to fight, he's like, Alright, let's let's go watch fights and, and, and see the competition then. Yeah. I think this was just his way of trying to see what he was getting himself into when I asked him to fight. Um but he told my dad, he was like, Yeah, he he hits like a 185er. Oh I was God. like, Yeah. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and then uh God. he's like, Alright, and then we're watching these fights, and, and he looks at me and he's like you could kick all of their asses. I was like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, like, three months went by. I was like, hey, you know, did you find that fight yet? He's like, oh, you know, we'll we'll find one. We'll find one. I was like, that's what you said three months ago.
2: Of course. I was like,
0: are you not even looking? And that's kind of when I left and found victory. And then that's when I... That dude was fucking lying to me. Oh,
1: my God. You know? Because you're like... I am not as good as I thought I was. Yeah. I'm not as strong as I thought I was. Like, like, I'm I was. definitely
0: not hitting like a 185er, you know, but.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing, it reminds me of like those gyms that supposedly have fighters. Yeah. And make it seem like just because of their brand, they think that they're fighting. And like, no, actually, join a real mixed martial arts gym. Yeah. And there you'll know. With
0: coaches that care and won't put you in the cage after one month of training, so you can go get <laughs> unnecessary brain damage. You know, but yeah. that that's what it is. And, and that's why I try to be honest as yeah. as much as possible. And sometimes as much as it's, some, it's like when I told my dad what I told my student um, yeah. during that discussion, he's like, you didn't actually tell him that. Did you? I was like, yeah, why? <laughs> and he's like, oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what did I do? It's true. <laughs> you know, but. He did it, and came it, back. he came back. He was there, you know. But
2: uh,
0: <laughs> I, and I tell people, I was like, "This is the way that I see it. You can take, take, take what you want from it, you know, because that's that's what Bruce Lee said with the with martial arts in general.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Use what works for you. Disregard everything else. Yeah. I say a lot. Clearly, I talk a lot. We've been talking for fifty minutes. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Some of the stuff you guys are gonna stick with. Some some of it you guys are gonna think I'm crazy. I'm egotistical, whatever. You take what works for you. Because what you took is going to be different than what somebody else took. Yeah. You know, and like you said, you just asked me what did I learn not to do from a coach or a trainer. It's the same thing. I'm here to show people and try to guide people into the right direction. But I'm also, unfortunately, going to be a good example of things not to do or things not to be as well. You know, so however you take it, as long as it helps you grow into a better person, I'm happy with it. I'm
1: glad. Thanks for sharing that
0: but that was that um, <laughs> just uh, kind of a few announcements before we sign off um, we are taking next week off so this is gonna be this is the the last episode of 2022 and then uh, we will be back uh, the first week of 2023 I think that's January 3rd will be uh, when the next podcast episode comes out um so with that being said f- keep uh what's the word what? stay with keep us keep track with us whatever whatever find us follow if us. you haven't already on uh social media I'm on all social media platforms at taz mma underscore fitness um youtube taz knows uh follow nene on instagram at nene underscore mma underscore cmm as well as youtube and patreon subscribe to them at nene mma um yeah it's been fun this year has been fun we've learned a lot we did a lot we've seen a lot um and 2023 is going to be even bigger so thank you guys for being part of the journey with this podcast as we continue to to grow it and expand it um yeah. into the new year for all the students out there listening thank you for another great year of warrior evolution as we're getting ready to turn what 20 2019 to 2021 to turn three years old three i think if i did my math right we warrior evolution was born january 1st 2019 officially so mm. all that uh if you're a student thank you guys for helping us grow thank you thank you for helping me grow as a coach thank you for helping your training partners grow as martial artists um again With bigger things planned for 2023 which we'll get into um, in the next episode of the podcast Um, but have a safe and healthy and fun holiday season and we will see you all back
2: next year bye guys see you later